prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. We're changing the script today, and we're going to be talking about building strength and conditioning for fighting uh, with a guy who has been a lifelong achiever in this area, and that is uh, my guest today, Phil Dunlop. How you doing, Phil? Wonderful. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, it's great to have you, too. You know, it's funny. Um, I set up these interviews a lot of times without truly knowing a lot about my guest. And then I go digging to see, and then I, and, and it just amazes me, like the pedigree, uh, that some of the guests that I get to interview, uh, on this show have, like yourself. I mean, I started digging around about you and I'm like, holy crap. Like this guy is not only, uh, a, a, a skilled, uh, coach. But you're still fighting, and you're in your fifties. You're in your late fifties now, right? Yeah, I actually, I actually don't call it fighting because I separate the two. I have this weird thing. For me, fighting is if I'm getting punched in the face. Okay, that's fighting. Okay, grappling to me is more. Uh, I, I do a lot of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments, a lot of submission grappling events, both uh, professional and tournaments, and I view that more as you know, there's combat sports. They all fit under the combat sports segment. But when I use the term fighting, it's like I between kickboxing and mixed martial arts, I have 119 fights. I probably have over a thousand grappling matches and I've got over 250 since I turned 52 and I'm 56 now. But uh, yeah, I still compete. I've got uh, two tournaments I'm doing at the end of the month. I did one last month and I just love, like I tell people, I'm addicted to that moment. Now, like a lot of people think, you know, walking down to the cage or walking down to the ring is something really Really cool. Okay. A lot of them love having their hands raised. For me, it's when I'm standing across from another guy. The ref looks at him, looks at me, says, you're ready. Are you ready? And then says, go. And then we lock up. I am addicted to that moment. Right, right. That That's amazing. So where did fighting start for you, Phil? Well, I have an unusual story because my uh, my grandfather had uh, he grew up in China. He was Irish. Then he uh, moved to Burma, and that's where he learned the martial arts. He married a woman who happened to be Burmese, and he was over there prior to and during World War II, and then moved over here. And you know, he set up a family and everything like that. And but like, he'd been into the Burmese arts for years, and I grew up doing it. And it was almost always because I just loved doing it. It was one of those weird situations. I, I had an odd family situation. My grandfather kind of raised me. And I equated training hard with getting his love. So I, I, I incessantly trained. And I'm still that way. I still love that moment when the sweat's breaking, you, you, you're moving. For me, nothing feels more pure. So it was just a natural evolution that I fight. And when I was, when I, when I was 15, I got myself in a lot of trouble. I was a... Uh, I was, I was a problem child. Let's phrase it that way. But I uh, went over to Burma and I start, I, first I went to Thailand, then I went to Burma, but I did some Thai boxing and Burmese boxing in competition. I, uh, I won at one point, I won a stadium championship in Thailand. This was, this was in my twenties. Wow. And 
and I won uh, three titles in uh, Burmese boxing. One at one, one in the one forties, one at uh, in the one sixties, and one in the one seventies. So, how is Burmese boxing different than like uh, Thai boxing or Muay Thai or any? How is it okay, different? Now, they're, they're, I always tell people they're sister arts. I'm one of these those people. If you put two people on a platform, I don't care what the rules are. If they're gonna if they're gonna wail on each other, I love it. I don't care whether it's judo, wrestling, but I love them all. Right. Okay, I wanted, to, I wanted to preface the comment with that. But Thai boxing and Burmese boxing, Laotian boxing, uh, all, all the all the indigenous, you know, there's Khmer boxing, all the indigenous uh, kickboxing styles in that tight little region, or I call them sister arts. And I think where they diverged is uh, Muay Thai went its own way with the, you know, with the kind of, I always called it the appeasement of the English idea of gloves. Right. Okay. So suddenly they put gloves on. Okay. Where Burmese boxing stayed more true to the raw nature of it. When I was doing it, and they changed the rules in 94. I'll go over the pre-94 rules and then, and then the uh, changes after 94. The pre-94 rules were the big differences was any strike was legal. Any okay. strike. Headbutts. Uh, I, my nickname was a white rhino because I, I, I you know, this is going to sound, this is going to sound very strange. I mean, I wonder why I got like CTE issues. <laughs> they tell me my whole body is a weapon. Right. So what do I decide to use? My head. Right. Okay. You know, I, I, 28 knockouts by head, but I head butt from all over. To this day, when I spar, I head butt punches. Right. Right. I, you know, my chin's always down. My hands are always up. You throw a punch, and if it's coming through, you I bring just your head, head down. Yeah. Yeah, you figure, because you figure by now he's going to break his hand on that thing that you developed. That's basically what happens. You know, the next thing, elbows break on heads. Right. You know, if you drop your head when a guy throws an elbow, you'll pop their elbow. Right. Okay. So I had actually posted one on the internet not that long ago where a guy got his arm broken, throwing an elbow, and the other guy headbutted real quick. Wow. So, like, I, I always try. I always try to tell people uh, it, it's the rules that define the combat sport. And with Burmese boxing, any strike is legal, including groin strikes. Okay. Wow. Three knockouts. Three knockouts used to win the fight. So what would happen is you get knocked out. They give you a minute to wake up. Like your corner comes in, tries to wake you up. You have a minute to decide whether you want to continue. Third knockout ends the fight. And in the old days, it was five minute rounds. Five of them. The last round was unlimited. So somebody had to lose. Yeah, right. The Burmese always had that. They have a grappling style called Naban, which allowed open palm strikes and always was to, to somebody gave up. So if it was an hour match, it was an hour match. So the idea is I try to tell people it was always about the finality. So when you, and also with Burmese boxing, you're allowed standing submissions. So if I get an arm lock on you standing up, I can try to break your arm. Wow. And the other thing is, but, but they can tap. They can tap out, right? They can say, "I give up," right? Or no? Yes, but it's very rare in Burmese boxing. Right, right. They'll let you break their arm. Okay, really? They'll let you break the arm? Usually, yeah. <sighs> wow. Okay, because they're more they're more quicker on the feet. In other words, you're not trying to control yourself when you're going for a lock on the feet. You're just going hard. Yeah. And and the other thing about it is any takedown is legal. We're in Thai boxing. You're not allowed to suplex somebody, hip toss them. In Burmese boxing, you're allowed to throw them and you have one continuous strike on the ground. So if I go to a hip, if I start a hip toss and I break contact, I can drop on you with my elbow oh, when we hit the wow. ground. Wow. Okay. So there, there's subtle differences. And then in, 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 in 94, uh, the government took over and tried to uh, 
tried to organize it and monetize the sport. And then what happened is they changed the rules. So now it's the last minute, the last round goes for the, goes for, you know, the full five minutes. And if nobody wins by knockout, it's a draw. So it's win, lose, or draw. There's no point no system. No point system, yeah. yeah. Right. So what happens is suddenly people, instead of throwing jabs, they're throwing power leaves because it's knockout all the time because hitting you with 20 jabs and not knocking not, you out. You're not getting any good. points. Yeah. No, you're not accruing anything. Yeah. Right. Plus, it, it's bare knuckles, so the punching is very different. Right. Right. So you started that young in this sport. Yeah, I, I started at 15 by my first, uh, by main, by 19, I won my first title. Have you been to Ireland by any chance? Twice. Beautiful, right? Oh, I, I, I loved Ireland. And uh, my, my grandfather was originally from Ireland and then moved to China when he was a kid. Right, right. The whole thing is my, my great-grandfather was involved in uh, the quote-unquote rebellion. That's why he ended up going to China. In 1847, we're talking about now, right? Yes. Yeah. I, have you seen that movie yet, Black 47? Yes. Oh, man. Because Elisa and I went to Ireland uh, last year. We, we traveled all over with Dublin. We went to uh, uh, Killarney. We went everywhere. We didn't go north because they, they said there was trouble with our passport if we wanted right. to go north. But, uh, wow, I fell in love with Ireland. It's amazing. It's amazing. Beautiful country, great people. And my, fighters, my and fighters, people. fighters, fighters. I mean, look at the fighters they have there. Uh, between you and I, I'm probably one of the least racist guys you can meet. Right. You know, in other words, between you and I, I punch you in the face, red stuff comes out, I like <laughs> you, it. you get yeah. back up. <laughs> yeah. You right. stay on the ground, hey, I don't care what color you are. Right, right. But I always joke around, the only stereotype I've ever found to be true. Yeah, all us Irish people, we're alcoholics. And we fight. It's what we like to do. <laughs> okay. It's, it's got, I always get a kick out of this. I'm a recovering alcoholic myself. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, what is this? The only stereotype that actually works is me. You know? my, my friend John told me it's they call it the Irish curse. They call it the Irish yeah. curse there. That's what they call it. So anyway, but it, it's another story. All right. So, so uh, at one point in time, you, you actually stopped fighting. We're going to get into strength and conditioning training for the audience so they can understand things to do. But I, I want to talk sure. more about your background. So – you had to stop fighting because you, you got sick, right? Sometime, sometime no, else. I had to stop fighting originally because I broke my neck. I took 10 years off. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't get medical clearance. How did you again. break your neck? Car accident. Oh. I took out the sunroof of my car with my head, and I broke the uh, the axis, the top vertebrae. Or, no, the atlas, the top vertebrae. Right. And uh, like a big piece came off. They wanted to fuse it, and I decided my grandfather had been an acupuncturist. So I ended up treating it with acupuncture, ART, which is a massage technique. Right. And also with uh, chiropractic as it got better. And it got and better. I, I that's better. amazing. Because that's like that, they called that the hangman's uh, something. The they, hangman's. Said, they said if I hadn't been a fighter, I'd be dead. Why? Because of the strength of your neck? Because of strength in my neck. Like, between you and I, it's kind of funny. My, like, you know, like, people that work out with me, the one comment I always get is, God damn, you're like the strongest guy I've ever met. Right, right. You know, there's that, there's that, that strength of, like, picking, having, working a clinch and having people pick, you know, picking people up with your neck. Right. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's traditionally something that wrestlers have. They usually have strong necks because they use their head to, to right. brace themselves on the ground and lift their bodies sometimes. Wrestlers and anybody who does, uh, when I say, uh, Southeast Asian 
kickboxing uh-huh. because the clinch is a big part of the game in Southeast Asian kickboxing. It's one of the differences peripherally between a lot of Thai boxing I see in America and Thai boxing I've seen in Thailand. Mm-hmm. The Americans, a lot of them don't work the clinch. Now, they when you, when you call it the clinch, explain what you mean by the clinch. The clinch, I say there's three compo- there, there's really three components in my mind to fighting. There's striking, kicking, punching, elbowing, kneeing, whatever. Okay, there, there's grappling. And then there, there's the, the clinch area where a wrestler goes for a takedown, a judo guy goes for a throw, or a tie boxer grabs you in the prom clinch, right. and then throw, let's say he wants to grapple and kick at the same time. Right, right. And I always say there are three different types of conditioning. Uh, striking is very aerobic. I have guys that can strike, can do 10 rounds, 10 five-minute rounds striking, and they're exhausted after two, two minutes on the ground. Right. Okay. Then I have guys that can grapple for half an hour. They're exhausted with one three-minute round. Okay. So it's kind of some of it's comfort level, but some of it's different formats of conditioning. And I always say the, the toughest is because I always say weightlift uh, run, uh, basically is uh, grappling is very similar to high repetition lifting. Like, you know, because you, you build up that lactic acid in your muscles as you're right. rolling. Right. Uh, striking is very cardiovascular. Right. I can see that. Okay. It's, it's like the pitter patter of your feet. Yeah. You're running, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. But clinching is a combination of both. It's kind of like trying to run while lifting weights. Uh huh. Interesting. So, so there are actually three different components to it. And that standing grappling with striking integrated is what the clinch is. Interesting. Very interesting. And so you find that those those guys who are good at that, they usually have strong necks. Very strong necks. Interesting. That's interesting that that's an attribute. So Nathan uh, Haney is uh, watching right now. I don't know if you know Nathan, but he is an up-and-coming boxer. He lives in the U.K., I believe. I hope I got that okay. right, Nathan. And he is just setting the world on fire. I think we're going to hear this kid's name for a long time to come. He's amazing. And he and lost. Okay, I'll, I'll start looking out for him. I've he, heard the name, but I haven't really seen any of his fights. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that. I'm, my deepest sympathy. He just lost his dad. I know that, and it's a. It's a Ooh, I, I I lost my dad too, and I, I I know it's rough. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. I, I I say a man doesn't recognize his own mortality until he sees his father pass. That's the moment that in our heads we go, oh. Me too. I'm going to die someday too. Well, I'll never, I'll never forget when my uncle died. My father had passed first, and I was talking to my cousin, and you know, we looked at each other and looked at him, and I said, "We're up next." That's exactly okay. what I said. I said, "I'm, I'm the, I'm the next man standing." I said, "Right, right." In other words, we, it, my uncle was the last of that generation to pass. Right. Okay, and it's kind of like it's a weird thing when you start to, and it's also kind of weird being fifty-six years old. In other words, like yeah, I still think of myself as that twenty skinny twenty-two-year-old running around like me. Right, right. Okay. Meanwhile, like I see, I see, I'll see a picture of myself at an event, and I'm like, "Who's the old man?" <laughs> I you saw know, you. You weird. commented on one of your pictures where you said. Note to self: shave, shave more of that gray stuff off before I let them take my picture or something like that. My my wife busts my chops, telling me I look twenty years older when I don't shave. Look what I do! I colored my hair today because I, I have to go to a party this week. I color my hair. I look like I'm, you know, marginally younger. I don't, I don't. But I'll be sixty one on the eleventh this month. I'll be sixty one. Oh, you look great, dude. Yeah. I got my challenges I'm fighting right now. This eye is just destroying my life, but I think it's a couple more weeks and it'll be gone. So you broke your neck. You had to take 10 years off. Yeah, but I started training after. I, you know, I rehabbed it for about a year and a half, and then I started training again. 
And then I opened a school at 29 and I was just, basically I was just going to teach. And then at uh, 36, I came back again. And so the first school you opened was uh, on the East Coast, right? Right. It was, it was AFS, Advanced Fighting Systems. And then as, as my fight team grew, we added the asylum fight team to it. Because between you and I, what I had done is a huge construction project on my house. I had a 50 by 17 room in a basement that was a giant cage. And I had another room that was a boxing ring and I had showers and everything. And I lived upstairs because I always, I was always in government contracting. Right. And w- what happens is like, you know, I work from the house, so I go down and teach. And it was one of those things where I, I taught for a nominal fee, like 60 bucks a month. Right. Come to as many classes as you want. And it was like, I go downstairs and like do an afternoon, like a lunchtime class and go back upstairs and, and go back to work. But, you know, it was a great situation. And, you know, for years I taught there and, and basically the name The Asylum came out because I was one of the first guys to be coaching people for grappling and mixed martial arts back east. Right. Like, you know, in the day there was, it was Henzo. Henzo and Greg Kukok in right, New York. Right. And then there was, uh, there was a guy in New Jersey who was a blue belt at the time. Okay. And that was it. So right. it was kind of like every, everybody just referred to me as the crazy guy in the basement. <laughs> okay. So in other words, the asylum just took off and, and the students loved it. And uh, there is another club in L- Las Vegas called Iron Asylum, right? Isn't that the one that Matt Hughes used to train at? I don't know. Matt Hughes used to train, as far as I knew, he always trained at Oh, he was, yeah, the militia guys up uh, uh, northwest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right, right. Matt was a great fighter. He was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Did you see what happened to him? No. You know what? I stopped following MMA at one point. I just didn't, I didn't watch it anymore. He's still back from a tremendous injury, like a car accident type thing. I didn't know that. Oh, I I wish him well. I hope he does well. Yeah, like, I think he's got traumatic brain injury if I'm not, if I'm not, I'm pretty sure that's what it is he's got. He needs to hook up with uh, Dr. Mark Gordon out at Millennium Health in, La- in Los Angeles. He's doing amazing things for guys with TBI, reversing their, their – changing their lives, changing their lives, really. Yeah, so I don't know if uh, anybody is listening who knows Matt. Nathan Haney uh, just commented. I want to put this up there. He said, I'm fighting for the state title in two and a half weeks, and thank you for your condolences. I found out I was offered the title fight the day after he passed four weeks ago, and I accepted immediately. It's what – he would have wanted me to do. I'm sure that's what he wanted you to do. That's wonderful. Good luck. Nathan, I, I have a guy fighting uh, Friday night who uh, last week lost his brother. And, you know, be, being a coach and wanting to watch out for my guy, I'm like, you know, his nickname is Famous. Okay, I'm like, Famous, you know, do you really want to do this? You know, there's not a lot of time between now you just buried your brother. And like he said, my brother told me. Do it. I have to do it. In other words, don't let me down. And it, it's kind of like, you know, I, I think sometimes you can turn a, a real yes. negative. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. I'm doing this for him. Yes. And, and the tough things in life, like I'll be honest with you, just training for me has always gotten me through the tough points in life. The worst parts of my life were when I either had injury or sickness and I had an extended time off from training. So my coping mechanism was gone. And that's when you feel the worst. I mean, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, a, and I think most of the people in this audience can relate to that. When you train, you always feel better no matter what's going on in your life. When you don't train, it's just like, it's like a, a spiral. You just kind of spiral out of control. You have no, no direction. You don't feel good anymore. So yeah, it, it's part of the human condition. I, I've done shows in the past with Brooks Cubic where I, I, I postulated that 
just the way we have working group dogs, dogs that are designed to work, pull sleds, hunt. We have working group humans. We have humans who have have uh, risen in the evolutionary process because they were strong, they were good hunters, they could lift heavy stuff, and that was their evolutionary gift. And I, I'm one of those people. I, I have to work in order to feel good. Well, you know, honestly, one of the people that always fascinated me was Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Okay. Now, now the guy boxed, the guy wrestled, and the guy was into jujitsu. Right. You know, way back then. And he was a big one that spoke on men's duality. And I can tell you this from a perspective. I retired from work when I opened a big school back east. I, I, I went for a divorce. I opened a big school. And I'll be honest with you. I thought running a big school would be great. And it was tough for me because it's kind of like I, I don't view martial arts as a business. Okay, guy comes in. I, I can't afford to train. Ah, don't worry about it. Okay, so I have yeah, my right. scholarship. Everybody's there okay. for free. You're right, exactly. Right, but at the time I had I had the money. I, I went through the divorce. Then I got sick, so I had to I, I had to close the school down and move out to Vegas. But what, what what it was is I also noticed I'm much happier when I do both work and martial arts because I, I feel a more complete human being. Because when yeah. I'm just coaching and doing the martial arts, I feel one dimensional. Like, I'm all about strength and conditioning, all about this, all about that, and nothing else. But when I'm working and I'm on the phone with clients and everything like that, suddenly, I, I, you know, I'm working the intellectual side, I'm working the physical side, and I just feel so much better as a person. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you lived in Jersey for a while, and Jersey also has, you know, Jersey shares the Hudson River with New York, and, yeah. the, and that Catskill region and then the other side of Jersey, which is Greenwood Lake area, has yeah, a, a very ski on Greenwood Lake all the time. What's that? I used to water ski on Greenwood Dude, Lake. Dude, my, my my uncle George bought a, a a country house in Upper Greenwood Lake, New Jersey, with Rocky Graziano and Whitey Bimstein. Oh wow. And because that was so there was either you either you were on the New York side boxing or you were on the Jersey side boxing, but that's yeah. all the boxers used to have their their camps back in the day when I was a kid. I mean, I I, I remember uh, boxers like Terry Young at my sister's uh assisted one of my sister's birthday parties. My I got an uncle uh that was a fight promoter back in the day named Frankie Combriati. And okay. him and Graziano were best friends till they died. They both moved to uh, Florida together. They lived like two doors away from each other till the sure day they if died. You're, if you're from that area, do you recognize the name Bobby Halpern? That last name sounds very familiar to me. Uh, he did. He was. He was a heavyweight. My dad had boxed. Okay, he was. A, he was a good friend of my father's. He was a heavyweight boxer who was a contender. Killed somebody. Did time? I got do out remember him. Out. Yes, I remember the story. I remember that story. And then, and then what happened is it, it, the the comeback ended because he was in a bar in New York and somebody came in to rob it with a shotgun. Right. He took the shotgun away and got shot in the gut. But from all the boxing physical training, he lived through a 12, 12 gauge to the gut. Yeah, and that that's say that's saying something, man. That's a gun. They said the that's... muscle tissue was so thick it never got through to the vital organs. That's amazing. So, yeah. so, so you, you, you start in Jersey, but now you're out in Vegas yet again, another hotbed for fighters. I mean, the, uh, Vegas is where all the top fighting clubs are today, right? Yeah. There's a, I'll be honest with you. I, I love it. And I think I came to Vegas at the right time in my life and at the right time in the sport. 
and maybe because of my attitude now, I actually run a free school. So it's kind of like, it's weird. In New York, there was always, because you grew up with each other and your schools grew up, there was always this like, you know, this guy doesn't like that guy. This guy doesn't like, blah, blah, blah. you know, in other words, there's all, the, right. all these politics. I hate politics. Right. Okay. Like, I don't care whether it's fitness gyms, everybody, everybody's got something to say about everybody else. Right. Everybody, in my mind, everybody's wonderful. Every combat sport's wonderful. I only dog people that do the magical, mystical, like no touch knockouts, blow you across. The oh yeah, I've seen ball. that guy. I just think he's got really bad bo and bad breath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him. But, but it's kind of like you know, I, I think I came at the right time because at my age, you know, it seems like I, I moved to a new area and the community seemed to accept me with open arms, which was really nice. I, I've made more really great friends out here. Okay, simply because maybe I'm at this different stage of life, and now like I'm, I'm kind of elder statesman in sport. Right. Okay. Hey, listen, you can dog me all you want. Okay. Right. And like you know, every once in a while, I ask my wife, "Am I am I crazy wandering around at 56, walking out on the mats?" And I'll be honest with you, how do, how do I phrase it? And, 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 and like I, I, you know, I'm one of those people completely realistic. I take super fights with guys in their twenties. I right. lose as many as I win. Right. Okay, but at least I'm hanging at that age. I, right. You know, I've got injury issues. I got a knee that pops. I got a shoulder that pops. You know, right. it, it kind of like you know, it, a lifetime of this stuff catches up on you. But like when I when I do people when I do the over forty divisions, I'm freaking dominant. Right. Okay. So why should I give it up? Right. Because I watched you today on YouTube fight a young guy, a guy that was much younger than you and a bit heavier than you in a grappling match. And yeah. I I, I want to say either his first name or his last name was Alexander. I can't remember. Uh, which guy it was, but I mean, you, 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 you were moving him around. He was bigger than you. You were moving him around. You kept him dancing. He didn't have any chances. Great. Yeah. Great guy. And, and it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because that was my first super fight at top tier level. It was right. fight to win. A great organization. Yeah, that's what it said. Fight it, to win. Right. It's yeah. a pro show. And I, I had applied because they were doing a show in Vegas. And, right. and I'm like, ah, hell, you know, I'll see, see if they take me. And it was kind of funny because he offers me their number one guy at 205. Right. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. It was my first step back from, let's say, a tournament to top level. Right. Okay, so I'm like, oh, I don't know. Am I going to hang with this guy? You know, is it going to be an issue? I ended up losing. But, but really- you, you lost, but he didn't have an easy time with you. You, were, In fact, now that you tell me about how you like to put your head out, early in the fight, you, you got, the, the, the ref said to yeah, you, you but that you're butting him. Yeah. He elbowed me in the head. Yeah. I escaped the roof, got on top, and when I was on top, I'm dripping blood on him. So they take me over to the doctor, and it's so funny. The doctor looks at me and says, we're going to have to stop the fight. I look at him, I go, first of all, it's not a fight. It's a grappling match. Right. I don't have to stop it. Put tape on my head. So basically, he wraps tape Black around tape, my head yeah. and go back out and go. Yeah, I know. That was but cute. It, that was cute. You know, it, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it, it was a great match for me, even though I lost, because he told me, hey, I can still hang with these guys. Yeah, how old was you know, that kid? He's got to be in his late 20s, early 30s, may, may, maybe. What was it? Was, I think it was like 32 or 33. Yeah, early 30s. I mean, you were, and you were, he thought he was going to have an easy time with you, I think. And he, I think he realized, oh man, this guy isn't going to make it easy for me at all. I mean, you, you Listen, tied him up. I, you tied him up a couple times where I thought there was one point where he gave you his leg and I thought you were going to lock his leg out. I did too. I, I made, quite truthfully, I made a mistake on my lockdown with his submission. And he got out of it. And that's not taking anything away from him because he was good. He did yeah. everything right. But, like, I really had a lot of fun in that match. I've done submission underground, which is another big show twice. 
And it was so funny. I uh, The first time I did it, you know, I, I'm one of those guys. My preferred weight class is 205. Okay, but I'll go anywhere from 205 to ultra heavyweight. Really? So they offered me, originally they offered me a match at 205 and it fell apart. So I decided to take one at ultra heavyweight. And I got this guy that was like 6'6", maybe 250, and a real athlete. The guy had been like a uh, a professional surfer. No, a professional volleyball player. Yeah, yeah. He was a sur- he's a surfer and like a jujitsu guy, really good athlete. And it was kind of funny. So, so I tried to pack on some muscle. I, I went up there and my shoulder dislocated, you know, early in the match. You know, just come, came completely out. That's and awesome. I, I've got a really bad right shoulder, but I've managed to, through strength training to, to make it better. They told me I needed a replacement, but I'm just refusing to do it until it finally yeah, until, a lot, until it seizes up, like the Tin Man yeah. on, the, on the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> exactly. When I can't lose it, I'll get it fixed. Right. But it, it's kind of funny because uh, it went from being like, – I'm in the ring, Chow Sonnen interview or the cage, and Chow Sonnen interviews me. And it was kind of like – you know, it was kind, of, it was kind of a cool thing, but I'm thinking to myself, I'll go downstairs and I'm thinking, man, I'm done. You know, I, you know 53, I don't know if I can come back from this. Okay. I went to leave that building. It took me an hour to get out. People coming up and posing for pictures with me, people asking for my autograph. So many people telling me that, oh, man, you inspire me. I'm going to start training and and everything like that. And that's one of the really cool things about this journey in my career. I always say I've had three careers. I had 15 to 26. And that was me running around trying to be the baddest man on the planet with all those young ideas that, like, you know, young and stupid. Okay. Then there was the comeback from 36 to early 40s where I was doing it to prove doctors wrong. Interesting. Now, now I'm just doing it because I love it. Yeah. Okay. But what, what's also kind of cool is the amount of people that contact me on Facebook, the amount of people that contact me that tell me I'm inspirational. Right. I've changed their lives. I've had a couple of guys stop by Vegas who, who are like 40 years old and competing, who tell me like, you know, hell, I can do a 40-year-old division if you're out there competing with the kids. And that between you and I, it's just so cool at times to realize that doing what I love can help other people. Right. Out. You're not, you know, doing, you're not doing, doing it to inspire other people. You're doing it because you love it. Yeah, exactly. In other words, like I inspire people. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a nut job. I'm 56 <laughs> years old and I, I roll around on a mats for fun. I punch people in the head for fun. Yeah. Okay. You know, how inspiring is that? Right, right. No, it is because the ultimate exhibition of strength is fighting. I've said that before when I used to do uh, uh, military uh, uh, fitness radio with uh, Nate Morrison, you know, and he used to, he trained special forces guys. You know, we can all do CrossFit and we can all deadlift weight, but at the end of the day, your life isn't on the line. And the reality is while grappling, people may think your life isn't on the line, but a guy puts you into a chokehold. The, the, and you tap, the difference between dying and tapping is this much. Your body still goes, oh, crap, we're going to die. Like, this guy is, is choking me out. I see it a lot with new guys that come to the school, especially if you get a guy who did some powerlifting or some bodybuilding. And I always get a kick, kick out of between the toe. Okay? Powerlifting translates. Bodybuilding's useless for fighting. Really interesting. You know those big biceps? Yeah, they get in your way. Yeah, I was going to say you can't. How do you get that on the guy's throat? Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, between you and I, I took creatine for a little while and hated it. 
because you put too much choke eyes on choke it. And my bicep would be so pumped up, I couldn't choke. Oh, man. But like, like I always tell people, the pump is the enemy of a fighter. Right. But I, like I, always, I always tell people there's different types of strength. But the first time you work out with somebody, a lot of times it becomes uh, they you're starting to go for chokes nice and easy. You're moving. You're, and suddenly it's World War Three for them. Right. They, they suddenly start fighting for their lives because they get scared. Right. Because it may be the first time in their life that they felt absolutely helpless. Right. 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 Okay. They're using every muscle in their body. They're starting to get tired. I can't tell you how many times I've had a guy quote unquote, inadvertently hit me or inadvertently stick their finger in my eye while I was rolling with them. Right. The first couple times they've been in. That's why I like to roll with new guys because I don't get upset. Right. Because right. I understand it's a panic reflex. Yes. He's choking me. I'm going to die. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. right, right. You know, it, it's a human nature where sometimes you get a guy who's been training for your MF who just poked me in the eye. I'm fuck no. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so, so the idea is you realize that you know newer guys they're panicking. Yeah. They never felt helpless like that before. They've had ten street fights and won every one. Suddenly they're working out with a guy who they're helpless against. Right. Right. No, it's, it's really good. And now this is a great segue for us to take a break and come back and talk about what type of work in the gym with the barbell with the dumbbell translates into being a better fighter and a better grappler. How about that? Perfect, perfect. All right, sit tight. We're going to be right back with more Phil Dunlop. We shall return. Sleep is one of the most important factors in maintaining health and longevity. And in today's environment, with all the artificial light we're exposed to, there is nothing more important to use to protecting your sleep than blue-blocking glasses. And there's only one blue-blocking glasses that I will trust ever, and that's Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X. If you go to the website blueblocks.com and use the code SHR15, you'll save 15% off the single best blue-blocking glasses in the world because you can wear them comfortably and still function watch tv work on your computer but it blocks all of the important blue and green light that has been responsible for shutting down melatonin production and causing people to sleep poorly don't waste another night of sleep without wearing blue blocks b-l-u-b-l-o-x tonight put them on at 7 p.m and you'll be asleep by 9 p.m and you'll get the best night's sleep you've ever had if you've never used them before you are missing out blueblocks.com you Use the code SHR15 to save 15% off. Who wants to have better sex? That's a stupid question. Everybody wants to have better sex. And you can start having better sex if you go to the website bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use the code SHR and get a free order of your choice of the only two FDA-approved drugs to treat erectile dysfunction, sildenafil or tadalafil. Go to bluechew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use code SHR and you will get your first order for free. You do have to pay $5 for shipping, but come on. It's an easy deal. Who wants to have better sex? Okay, get busy. You know how to do it. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, 
you'll gain with it. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about Can-See Eye Drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using Can-See and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who, because he was on dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. Can-See Eye Drops actually reduced my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Cansee eye drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than Cansee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today total war sign up for their new transformation challenge and win ten thousand dollars or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training need a testosterone booster that works check out boomstick whatever you need you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at redcon one go to redcon1.com that's r-e-d-c-o-n the number one.com or go to superhumanradio.net and click the redcon one banner ads today Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. We're talking with Phil Dunlop. We're talk- now we're going to talk about strength and conditioning uh, for fighters. And this, this goes across, as you can see, Phil is a lover of all the disciplines of fighting. And uh, grappling and wrestling and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and striking and it's, and, and really, there are certain things that you probably use yourself and you teach your clients uh, that translate well into the ring from the gym. Like you said, bodybuilding stuff, it's not going to help you. Powerlifting, yeah, because you're, you, you have the ability, the force. Like, like I, I had a friend, um, I haven't spoken to him in a long time, Mike Miller. He's from uh, uh, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And he was the first guy to squat twelve hundred and twenty pounds in a full in a full meet. He also benched eight hundred pounds in that meet, and I think he deadlifted like seven or something like that. And I can't even picture that. Oh yeah, he was a monster back in the day. He was. And now he's now he's trimmed down, and you know he's chain. He's not, he doesn't powerlift anymore, but he did start training for MMA, and he was doing great. Um, a lot of guys on Sure Dog were giving him crap. Because they were like, yeah, he's just going to gas out. But what they didn't realize was this guy used to barrel, wheelbarrow walk small cars across football fields in, in those Highland games. And I'm like, dude, that's cardiovascular conditioning, whether you realize it or not. Now, those strongman competitions, those guys, that strength translates constantly. Right. I worked out with a couple of them. And what's funny is they usually pick it up quickly, but they also don't usually over-muscle. Because they already know how to use their body properly. Because to lift up one of those big, big stone balls, you need to coordinate the motion so well with all the balancing muscles, the core muscles that you need. Yeah, I between you and I, I, I view, you know, I'm very sports specific. Right. I don't care what I look like. I honestly believe that if you train hard, you'll look halfway decent. Right. No way around. If you take right. care of yourself, you're going to look better. If you eat right, you're going to look better. It's just simple. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of like there's no magic pills. There's no easy way. Right. It, you know, if you're looking for that in, in fitness, in, in sports, 
do something else. Yeah. Okay. Because anything you, I, I always call it the bust your ass principle. Right. If you want to be good at something, you've got to bust your ass. Right. Okay. But right. you don't, you're kidding yourself. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your coach's time, whatever. Okay. But I view the three components to, to any, any strength and conditioning program for a sport. Number one, the kinetic change you use during your sport. Okay, you need to be extremely strong for that. Now, okay, now how do I use my hands with striking or grappling? Generally, my palms are like this. They're facing each other when I move my hand out like that, right. when I grab somebody. So when I do when I do pull-ups, what grip am I going to use? Yeah, neutral, yeah. I'm going to use this grip, right. and I'm going to focus on tucking my elbows into my ribs, right. okay? Because that's the motion I use when fighting. Right. Okay, so I want to be as strong at that motion as possible. Secondly, okay, you've got your sports-specific motions. Then you're going to have what I call the muscle imbalances. Okay, look, I've noticed a big tendency among guys that do the uh, the high school workout, chest and bicep. Right. You get shoulder dislocation. Right. Why? Because your shoulders are being pulled forward so like they throw a hook and suddenly they pop their shoulder and see i'm guilty of that you know you know do you know that after all these decades now if i go reach for something far away i literally can feel my i pull my shoulder out of the socket because i got to do something to get that back into the center of the shoulder yes and and most people most people like you know the american growing up wants to do the chest Wants to do the biceps because you know that gets the girls. Right. Okay. So what happens is they're, they're, they're pulling bodies in a, a non-athletic motion. So there needs to be some component of your training to if, if, if you use one motion so much repetitively, it, you need to work the corresponding muscles too to balance it out and prevent injury. Right. And the third is some sort of raw conditioning. In other words, something to something to, to to train your heart to pump the blood. Okay, and 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 like I'm one of those guys. I came up old school. Okay, I consider myself an old school guy with an eye towards science. Okay. Okay, I do a lot of research. Like I, I, I in fact, like you know, I research everything. In other words, if I'm coaching guys, I know some guys are going to take PEDs. Okay, I tend to be a health nut, like I'm a vegan and everything like that. So it's kind of like, but I research PED, so I know which ones they should take. If I find out a guy's taking Winstrom, it dries the joints out. Right. You're going to have more joint tears. You're going to have a very short career. Trend, yes, if he's taking Trend, he's got no cardiovascular conditioning. He's going to gas out in 10 seconds in the ring. Exactly, and that's what I, I, I try to tell people. You know, if you're going to stick something in your body, if you're going to follow a workout program, why follow something that's counterintuitive to what you're trying to accomplish? Like a guy taking deck and holding water than trying to cut weight. Right, right. You know, in other words, it's why so many of these guys, they do things wrong, so they end up hospitalized cutting weight. I can cut 25 pounds in 24 hours. Right. Okay, I, 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 I don't it Hot a box, lot. what? Hot box? The sweat? The, the no, no, I, I, you know, that's another thing that, like, science changed me. I used to be the old guy. Sauna. Right. If you big cut, put the exercise bike in the sauna. Right. Wear the sweat suit. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, then I read about um, sodium baths. Mm-hmm. What I do is I put, I put uh, Epsom salts, wintergreen rubbing alcohol, in a whirlpool. And I just sit in it. I cut my I cut my carbs. I cut my sodium. Like for the week beforehand, I hop in. I usually lose about four pounds every thirty minutes. No kidding. It's reverse osmosis because the sodium level of the water 
Right. right. It's going to it's going to draw the body. fluid out of the body. That's amazing. It's much easier to and between you and I when I studied the science behind it. You okay when you do reverse osmosis, the water pulls first from under the skin, then the muscles, then the organs. When you do it by exercise, first the muscles, muscles right? then the organs, then under the skin. Right. When you do it by the hot box, first the organs, then the muscles, because half of the half of the stuff is coming out through your breath. Right. I, okay, so it's much easier to rehydrate afterwards if you do reverse osmosis. I got I got to put something up here, and I'm going to put his other comment up in a second too. So Joey Angelo must be a friend of yours. He said Phil eats 20 yeah. pounds of blueberries every day. <laughs> every third day. Every third day. Seriously, you joking? No. no, 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 no. In other words, like between you and I, I, for dinner I have two pounds of raw cashews. Oh, I love cashews raw. I love raw cashews. They're yeah, so sweet. I, I, yeah. I, I and, and on my diet, I you know up until I was you know in my early forties, I'd never been heavier than one hundred eighty pounds. When I fought, my walking around weight was one seventy. Mm-hmm. That's what I walked around at. Right. Now I can get up to two twenty five. I've been as heavy as two thirty when I when I go on a real lifting test. Right. But what it was is, yeah, I'm a lifelong vegan. I've always taken protein. And I, I want to, we're going to talk about that. I want to save that for the end of the show because it's really okay. interesting that you're not only a lifelong vegan, but you don't want anyone else to be vegan if you can help it because you feel like they don't do it right. So we're going to talk about that to, at yeah. the end of the show. So just save that. But yes, yes. My eating habits are legendary. Uh, okay. So, and also Joey Angelo, who must know a lot about you, he must train with you, right? Does he train with yeah, you? Yeah, he's a good friend. Okay, okay. So he says that Olympic lifting is the best uh, for MMA fighters, and and I tend to agree with him because Olympic lifting is is dynamic. It's explosive. You're moving weight. It's it 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 really is kind of like when you have to when you're because you, you're either in idle mode or you're in. Uh, drive in the ring when you're idle you're resting a little bit you're waiting for that opening you're waiting for him to put his leg in the wrong place and then you got to snap fast you got to roll fast you got to move fast so i kind of agree with him that olympic lifting would lend itself to uh mma what do you think i, I agree to a uh to a point i i got lucky you your typical guy doing a lot of calisthenics i was 147 and it's kind of funny. I went to I went to the gym back home in Jersey, and like you know, I was friend, friendly with guys like LT, Phil Sims, people like that. Okay, and what what do you naturally do when you go to the gym? You're a fighter, so people talk to you. Okay, you're accepted right away, right. even though you're a skinny little guy, right? Okay, because I think you can kick their ass. Right. Okay, so they're nice to you. So I start, of course, working out with the bodybuilders, all of whom are are supplementing with PEDs and everything like that. Right. Okay. Now, now I'm there one day in a tank top, you know, on my on my maybe 16th set for chest. Right. That right. these guys gave me a workout. Dorian Yates workout. Right. I'm doing cable crossovers. Right. The strength and conditioning coach for the Giants walks by and looks at me. Because at this point, we're friendly. We bust each other's chops. He looks at me and he goes, carving bone? <laughs> carving bone. Like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's a shaping exercise. You need a chest. Yeah. If you shape a chest, you need to have it. And dude, at the time, I had a chicken chest. Right. Right. I was all back in triceps. Right. Okay. So what's funny is he said, work out with me for a few months and I'll change the way you view working out. Best thing that ever happened to me. He got me into things like, you know, now I agree to a degree Olympic lifting is the best because there's several factors, the science behind it. Right. And one of the big things I'm, I'm on is, is physical programming. There's motions. And what I came up with is I use a lot of dumbbells. Okay, because and, and, and I can see why because unilateral work, 
you 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 don't end up with a weak side and a strong side. You wait. Every everybody's working the same. I also do most of my exercises on a Swiss ball. Really? I do. I do my incline benching on a Swiss ball. Okay, and and like when I when I say it's so funny when people try it, I get big strong guys. Now I get down and I'll do like a hundred thirty pound dumbbells. Right. I'll pop them up and get like eight nine reps. I'll get some on a, big guys. on a Swiss ball. On a Swiss ball. I've got a video of it on the internet, actually. i got to find that. But, but what was funny is I've had guys that like were way stronger than me try it, fall yeah. off the ball. Right. It's funny, but it's kind of like by doing that, now, now, now what planes of motion are you using your body in? Yeah. You're working your whole core. You're working your body in unison. Because right. like whether you're striking or grappling, you throw a punch. I don't know whether it's going to be a punch or a kick sometimes. So my elbow and knee slide together. Standing up, and I bring them together with my abdominal cavity. Interesting. And my back, and I'm like that. So your body Same has your back. body has to be the bench. Your body has to be the bench. Exactly. In other words, you you basically work your body through unusual planes of motion. Right. Okay. Also, there's a lot of little balancing muscles that you use in grappling or striking that you're not going to work in in the weight gym. Like for the sake of argument, people laugh at me when I do free squats on a Swiss ball. I stand on a ball. My feet's kind of sideways, and I just do like, you know, I used to do a thousand. Now I do a few hundred. Uh, body, but, body weight, you're talking about body weight. Body weight, yes. But you're balancing the whole time, so you're working those little muscles in your ankles. Yeah. Those little, those little. You know, that, that's got to be, that's got to be really good. For, so as we age, I say we figuratively, the population, and we start to lose ankle mobility, and part of ankle mobility is those small accessory muscles that get stiff and don't work anymore. That's well, got to be I, good for that. I, yes, it's, and it's huge. And, and one of the things I try to tell people, whether you're fighting or any sport, one of the most important components nobody breaks it down to is joint articulation. Yeah, right. right. Okay, let's say I'm escaping a move. I have two ways to do it. I can use sheer power or I can articulate a joint as I'm taking an angle. Right. When you punch, if you just like you're bench pressing, there's no real power on it. But if you articulate your hip and shoulder joints together, you get real power. Right. Right. Interesting. But that's why I'm, I'm a big one on the science behind, like when I'm teaching a move, not the move, but why it works. A choke is nothing more than pinching the carotid artery results. That's it. Yeah. Once you start to understand that, you start to self-correct. Same thing with weightlifting. The thing is, if you're picturing emotion, like every weightlifting exercise I do, I'm picturing doing something in a fight. Interesting. Ah. I'm not throwing up weight. I, I'm thinking somebody's on top of me. I got to take this. Push them off. Right. <laughs> So, okay, so um, the deadlift, right? I got to believe that the deadlift is a good movement for a fighter because when I used to watch Matt Hughes, he would take guys that were bigger and heavier than him. He would lift them off to the ground, walk them over to the middle of the ring and throw them down. And I would say to myself, this is a guy who's been lifting bales of hay on a farm since he's nine years old. Okay, if, if, if anybody, any of my students is out there listening, they will recognize this and I'll, I'll keep it clean. Hump the elbow, hump his leg. Okay, it's a yeah, deadlift. Right, right. Throw your head forward. Right, right. Okay, like I have actually screamed on a mat to one of my students grappling with one of my friends. F his face. Right. In other, because you want them to use to mat. use the glutes and the hips to bring him up, right? Yes. Because I'm trying to coach him through the move. He's not doing it. Finally, I scream. God damn 
F his face. My buddy walked off the mat and says, I can't believe you told him to F my face. And I looked at him and I say, did it work? Honestly, because I can tell you, it's like, it's like trying to tell a guy, keep your hands up, keep your coach. I am. He gets punched in the face. Right. Why do you get punched in the face? I guess my hands were down. Yeah. Most people do not know how to engage their body properly. Right. And you, you, you'll see it with like even an athlete who comes in. He's grappling and his legs are flat on the mat. He's just using his upper body. Yeah. That's the first skill you notice between a really good grappler and an intermediate grappler is the ability to coordinate the legs and the arms in the same motions at the same time. So what about Everything's the- body control? What about cardio, right? Is is slow, steady state cardio really important because it helps you grind out around okay. from round? I, 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 there's, there's an outlier to that, on my opinion. I had a woman I trained. She was an older woman. She had a first fight at professional fight at 52. She was an ultra marathon runner, and she never got tired. But she was slow. Right. <laughs> okay, but she would just wear people out with her fists. Right. Right. Okay, my theory on cardio is I want it to be very similar to to what I'm doing. Right. So I'm a big one on bleachers. Running the bleachers. I love to run bleachers because yeah. what is fighting? Short explosions. Right. Followed by a rest. Let's say I'm going for takedown. Boom, boom, boom. I hit the ground. I can sit for a second, regroup, and then go to move again. Right. So I like to do that long explosion and then recovery period. So what I'll do is – I'll run the bleachers. I, I call them a quad. Four times, back and forth. Okay, you go you go one and back. Okay, you do the whole bleachers, and you go back. That's one. You do you do four quads, which one is a quad. Okay, and then you jog a quarter mile. Nice. Then you do another. Right. Kind of simulate fight training. Right. right. Okay, because I'm always about what is your body doing during a fight. Do you do you so do you as as a coach when you're watching a fight? Do you actually see that? So, so when I was a kid, I boxed for PAL, the Police Athletic League in, in Brooklyn, and they used to have us do everything in three minutes. They had the bell; the bell would ring. You did it for three minutes, and then it would ring. It was sit, then you would sit it sit it out for whatever it was a minute. Then you'd ring and you'd do it. So it built that that cycle of effort into it do you see that in the ring do you see a guy gas out in intervals and think oh that's because his car he, he's training that way he's his cardio yes but also there's other factors i always i always joked around like the green mile you're taking you're taking that walk to death row right i've seen more fighters die backstage before the fight mm. okay because what happens is remember some, something nobody understands if they haven't done it the walk the day of. First of all, you just cut weight, okay, which is torture with it in itself. I call it ritual purification. Basically, I, I actually was picked up by the Burmese secret police one time, and he tortured me. And part of the torture was not giving me water and keeping me up for long periods of time, dehydration and lack of sleep. Most guys can't sleep the night before their fight or the night they're cutting weight, and then they cut weight. So basically, they torture themselves to get ready. Okay. Now they get they get to the event. Okay, they have to sit around all day and think about worry. Have I trained enough? Have I done this? Okay. Now, now remember, most people are afraid. The most common fear is public speaking. Okay, that mankind has when they do surveys, they always say it's public speaking. Now, instead of getting up in front of a thousand people and talking, you're going to take your shirt off 
Stand in a cage, and for the one time in your life, you know every one of those thousand eyes is on you. You look across the cage, and there's another guy who's been training just as hard as you are that wants to beat the living snot out of you. Okay? I've seen great fighters. Like, one of my guys, he won three titles. He lost his first five fights. His fifth fight, or his sixth fight, he showed up, and it was kind of like all of a sudden I said, Kyle, you showed up tonight after the fight. He won in a minute. Right. And he put on, like, it was a clinic between striking, takedown, and grappling. And I just saw it come together. Finally, the guy I had seen in the gym. Showed up. In the cage. Right. And from that point on, he went on a tear. I've seen that a lot. You know, it, it takes a while, especially for a guy who, like, I actually had a 125-pound kid who his first sports endeavor. You remember, you're 125. You don't have a lot of options. Right. You're not going to play basketball. You're not going to play football. Right. You were actually probably too small in high school for baseball. Right. Okay. So it was kind of like he shows up. And what's the first competitive sport he does? Mixed martial arts. Okay. He was so nervous beforehand, he threw up three times. Then when he was done, he threw up again. And I'm looking at him in the bathroom, and I'm going, dude, how the hell are you throwing up that there's anything in there? <laughs> what are you, what okay. are you, where are you getting it from? Yeah. A lot of times when you see a guy guess, I'm not talking high-level pros. I'm talking like, you know, when you see him when you see him at the starting stage of the career, it's energy management. Yeah. And it happens each step of the career. Amateur, you get used to. Then you turn pro. Then there's another learning period. Then you get called to the big show, and suddenly you're fighting in front of 20,000 people instead of two. Right. It's a big difference. And I noticed the difference isn't as great for a guy who wrestled or played football or played basketball, but especially wrestlers because they're used to being the guy in a one-on-one sport. Right. Or for a boxer, he's used to being the guy everybody's watching. Right. Yeah, I can, he, I can see that. It just You get washed out before the fight even starts. Like, I had a kid who was kind of funny. He, he fought recently. He was hyperventilating <laughs> before we walked down to the cage. And now, now this kid could do, I swear to God, 20 three-minute rounds in the gym. Right. He was doing three two-minutes. Comes out the first round on fire. Lights the kid up, takes him down. He's on his back trying to choke him. Comes back to the corner. He goes, Coach, I'm exhausted. I shot my watch. Comes out for the second round. Now it's basically a war. He really can't get the takedown, and they're slugging each other. I gave him the first round by a significant margin. Second round was close. He comes back, and I can tell he's toast. I give him some water. I, I ask him, what are you feeling? Coach, I'm exhausted. I look at the other guy, and he's purple. Right. I go, so sad. Right. Get back out there and win this goddamn round. Right. So he comes out, and he got nothing. The kid's pounding on him. With about 30 seconds left, the kid has him up against the cage, and is unloading him. And I can see the ref is about to step in and stop it. I can also see him lowering his hand. He's got his arm up like this. He's lowering his hand, thinking it's happening. I scream, God damn, you don't even Think about it. He bounces <laughs> off the cage with a right-left combo. The kid takes two steps back, wobbled, goes for takedown. He hits the kid in the liver with a knee. The kid falls to the fetal position, and he's standing over him, staring at him. I like scream. What? He can't even oh. believe. What is, yeah, right. Yeah. The armo, jump on him. He jumps on him and starts to throw the, the flurry of, of fury. Right. Guy, 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 ref stops the fight because the guy's just in the fetal position doing nothing. Right. With like 10 seconds left. I look at him afterwards 
And I'm going, man, I'm so proud of you. That was pure heart. He looks at me and says, no, it wasn't. I didn't want to have to deal with you afterwards. I quit from <laughs> he was scared of you. That's what it was. Listen, this, yeah. we were like that when we were kids. The cop could beat us up. We didn't care. Just don't take me home to my father because he'll kill me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, always tell me, I always tell these guys, like, you know, and I joke because I never give them a hard time after they lose because this is the difference you'll, you'll get a lot of times with a coach who has a lot of fight experience. Right. Okay. I know what they're going through. Okay. I would rather do it myself because I'm helpless for inside. And I always tell people I'm the best fighter in the world when I'm coaching because I see everything. Right. Okay. When I'm getting punched in the face, not so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I make mistakes just like they do. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like I never give them a hard time over losing. I always try to build them up. But now if you win in 10 seconds, like I had a guy one time, he won in 11 seconds by knockout. Looks at me and goes, what did I do wrong? I looked at him and said, I don't know. I sleezed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because it, you know it, it, it's kind of like he did nothing. The fight didn't last long enough. He goes, "Was the guy good?" I don't know. The fight didn't last long enough. <laughs> That's funny. But like, like, like I always tell people, you know, it, it, it's a rough sport, and there's so many factors that come into play. And like I say, in training, there's a lot of guys that think sport uh, skill set is all you need, right? strength and conditioning is a weapon like anything else. In other words, like guys all the time say to me, "You're so damn strong." Okay. And yeah, I am. I've got mat strength and I've got gym strength. But it's kind of like I tell people, if I have it, like, you know, everybody says, oh, you should just use technique. But in a moment of inertia, if I can't technique the arm, I'm just going to try to rip it off. Right. And if I'm strong enough to rip your arm off, that's that's your problem, not mine. Right. I'm not going to apologize. I always tell guys, don't apologize because your daddy's bigger than his daddy. Right. Right. If I'm in better shape than you, I shouldn't apologize for it. Right. If you're tired and lost, that's not an excuse for losing. You lost. You got tired. You didn't condition enough. Just like I say, when I lose by injury, because of an injury, like my knee or my shoulder pops, that's not an excuse. It happened. You won. Because I got in that cage knowing I had this injury, knowing that it might happen. More power to you. The reason it popped had to do with the fact that you pushed me to my limit so that the injury acted up. Right. Okay, but if you were a white belt and stunk, and I'm rolling with you, I'll be fine. Injured, not injured, whatever. But if you're a black belt and you're good, and you go for a move, and I hook your leg and my shoulder pops, you had as much to do with that shoulder popping out as the previous injury did. Because right. you stressed the shoulder to my present day max. And that's why I try to say, you know, injuries are not really an excuse for losing, because you got in there with them. Right. I knew my shoulder was a problem. Right. I took the match saying to myself, I can beat you even with a bad shoulder. And if I don't, I lost. Right. And, and that's why I tell people injuries are not an excuse to be used. They're just a factor of, of, of the game. Because between you and I, I don't know anybody who's ever got into a fight 100%. And if they did, they're probably going to lose because they didn't train hard enough. Interesting. Because if you're not injuring yourself, you're not training hard enough. So it sounds to me in summary – my favorite lift, the deadlift, is not necessarily the right lift for somebody. No, who's... no, no. Actually, the deadlift is a good one. Well, no, but I think, I think of something you pointed out makes better sense. The Atlas Stone is a better lift for a fighter. Yes. Because he's got to he's got to get it he's got to get his body around that and he's got and also your hands are more in the normal position where if you're okay. fighting with somebody you're going to lift them as opposed to this. No. Now, let's say, what, I'm, what am I going to do if I do a belly-to-belly -belly suplex? First of all, I'm going to wrap my arms around you, and I'm probably going to use a gable grip. 
Okay, because a gable grip is the strongest grip for pulling your elbows back. Okay, what is a gable grip? Just show me. In the, I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I, I make a palm. My buddy Vlad Kulikov, and I have to give him credit for this. Always called it a palm sandwich. Okay, I put this hand fingers over my thumb, and this hand fingers over the blade of my thumb. No, no, no. Take take your hands, put them back together. Curl all four fingers around the top of your thumb. No, put your thumb down. Okay, I see. Like this. Yeah. No, like take this thumb. Okay. Now take your hand here. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And pull it back when you. It's the strongest motion. Yeah. Look at that. This. Yeah. Okay. So so let's say you're doing a belly to belly suplex, which is we're lined up chest to chest. I drop my weight, I gable grip you, I pull you back, and then I throw my hips forward and take you over the right, top. Right, right. What is that? Lifting an atlas stone. Yeah, that's that's it. That's what I'm saying. Same exact, I, th- same I think if, if you're, I think if you're a grappler, lifting an atlas stone is a much more valuable lift than a deadlift. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the deadlift, you know, if you're going if you're going to a regular gym, and you don't have an atlas stone. The deadlift is a great substitute. Yeah. yeah. Same basic motion. You're still learning to engage your hips. Like I had a, an incident with one of my, my students who was, he was working out at the gym I work out at. I look out outside and it has an out, outdoor area too. And he's taken the power clean and turned it into half a deadlift, half a shrug, and half a military. So I come out and I go, why are you training? Uh, get stronger. No, 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 no. Why are you doing that exercise? Get stronger. But why that exercise? Uh, uh, to get to get better with fighting, I said no. You're doing that fight, that exercise. It, it's supposed to be a power clean, one single motion. It's not supposed to be pull the weight up, throw your hips forward, pull right. the weight up, turn it over, and bench press. See, and the truth is, a lot of Olympic coaches teach it in those three phases, but then you're supposed to string them together. Right, but it's just like it's just like when I take take a technique, I can't break it down in the beginning to 20, right. 20 different steps. I break it down to three. Once I get good at that three, I break each segment down again. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay, in other words, when I tell you to swivel your hips to the left, kick your leg over his head, pinch your knees together, ratchet your feet down to your butt, okay, that's just too much at once. Right. Right. Okay. So what I do is every time I teach a move, I pick a different nuance to focus on. Interesting. You know, and, and it's just like it's just like with lifting. Yeah, you have to learn. If you're going to do a power clean, you better be able to deadlift. Yeah. Right. That's the starting movement right there. Right. Right. So in other words, you you'll teach the deadlift, teach the deadlift, teach teach the deadlift. Then you got to teach him to get it from here to here. Right. 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 No, I so get it. He, I get it. I want to take our last commercial break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the fact that you are a vegan. I want to understand yeah. when you became vegan and why. Um, boy, it's tough working with one eye. I got to tell you something. <laughs> it is. I don't envy you. Nah, man, I can't wait for this to go away, Phil. You have no idea. This is. You know what? I don't want to say too many things about my past, but I've had some serious injuries as a young man living in in New York. And I, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. It's just four weeks of continuous pain. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. I'm so miserable. I Really, it's just, if somebody said to me, this is the rest of your life, boom, <laughs> I'm done. I'll be, I'll, be honest, I'll be honest with you. I've had a lot of injuries. I've actually been shot and stabbed several times. Okay? But like I, I tell people, eye, tooth, and ear, they're the worst because you can't escape them. 
Oh, man. It's, like, it's my face. It's so close to my brain. It's my face. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. There's a phenomenon today. So many of us sit for hours each day. Slowly, our bodies respond by shortening certain muscles. The psoas gets shorter and shorter over time. It leads to lower back problems, stiffness when standing, and inhibits your running performance. Now there's Psoright.com. That's P-S-O hyphen R-I-T-E dot com. Psoright is a device that allows you to stretch your psoas muscle and return them to normal function. And it does it better than any stretching movement or chiropractic adjustment. Can. You can use it in your home, office, or at the gym. Experience what thousands of people already know. Check out pso-rite.com and save 20% off when you use the code SHR. Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest. Imagine how successful your life would be if you could double your focus, double your mental energy, double your problem-solving, your creativity, your willpower. Sounds too good to be true, right? That's what I thought until someone handed me a bottle of Qualia Focus. Qualia Focus is a mental performance formula that combines 24 of the most powerful molecules on Earth to noticeably boost your brain power within just a few days of taking it or your money back. Qualia Focus blows coffee away, but a serving actually has less caffeine than a cup of coffee. That's because it boosts brain power the healthy way. Just go to neurohacker.com. That's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com and enter coupon code SHR at checkout for an extra 15% off. And a serving of Qualia Focus costs one-fifth of that coffee you're drinking right now. Unlike coffee, Qualia Focus nourishes your brain in a comprehensive, healthy way for amazing brain power you noticed in just a couple days. That's neurohacker.com to try Qualia Focus and discount code SHR at checkout for an extra 15% off. All backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee. Qualia Focus is a life changer, I promise you. Try it now for amazing brain power at neurohacker.com. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today feel younger get in better shape and be more productive at renewliferx.com are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need do what i do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from live on labs unlike pills and powders live on's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin c vitamin b glutathione acetyl l-carnitine and alpha lipoic acid to where they need to be your cells Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's try.livonlabs.com slash Carl. Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. Phil, uh, we have your website on the bottom of the uh, 
screen, but why don't you give it to people too so they hear it in your voice? Uh, the website for my school is www.asylumfightteamvegas.com. And, and basically what I do out here is, uh, for since I moved out here, I've been teaching on the side. I have my own business, and I, I happen to be very successful, so I can, I can afford to do it. I, I basically was teaching out of an RV garage at my house for uh, free. And what happened is we ended up, my, my son's both, you know, we're going to college, ended up moving out and everything like that. So we downsized recently, moved to a different area of town. So I moved the school into the gym. And my, my situation is at the gym is I actually teach for free, but you have to join the gym for $30 a month. Yeah. So basically you get mixed martial arts and grappling training for, uh, and, and a full gym membership. And it's a really sweet gym. It's called uh, Universal Health and it's Universal Fitness. And it's changing its name to uh, Dragon Gym. And uh, he's actually helped us out a lot, pumped some money into our program. Jay, the owner, runs, uh, what is it? It's uh, City Athletic out here in Vegas. And he's a great guy. And, you know, he, he's really been helping us out. And the idea is I partnered with another guy who runs Rebel Mixed Martial Arts. And I, I teach my classes for free. And if you join the gym for $30, you can take my classes. And where it's on Flamingo Road? It's on Flamingo Road. It's not that far from the Strip. We used to be up in North Vegas. Now, now we're over in uh, the Henderson area, and uh, we, we have a fight team. We have a lot of guys that fight. I have everybody from uh, weekend warriors to, uh, and when I say weekend warriors, that's not derogatory. I don't care whether your goal is fighting, fitness, just getting in shape, feeling good. Always wanted to train it. I just love to train. In other words, I have a high stress job. You know, I go, I get beat up, and nothing bothers me anymore. So, like, you know, it, it's a great release. It, for me, it's, it's, like, it's like mental therapy. In other words, how can you be angry when you just got beat up? Yeah. So the idea is, it, it, you know, it's just, it, it's just a great situation for me. And I'm having the time of my life, you know, being at, like, I know, I know that, like, with competition, I, you know, I'm 56 years old. I'm playing at the strip. Like, I'm no longer a world beater. I go out there. I have fun. I enjoy myself. Uh, I coach. I teach. And, and I just have a great time with it. There's nothing like watching, watching people change their lives. I've always, I've always been a big proponent of your know, martial arts and combat sports in general give you a fabric to live by. They teach you certain lessons. In other words, that hard work pays off. Discipline pays off. And, and and the idea is these lessons, if you apply them to the rest of your life, the reason I'm successful in life, the reason I, I can have good relationships, the reason I have a good career is all the lessons I learned through fighting. You know, people think of it as a bunch of thugs whacking each other in the head. Meanwhile, it's a great crew, guys. We're like a family. You know, I get invited to weddings, baptisms, all sorts of things. Right. And and in other words, we're, you know, probably because it's free and there's no rigidity to it and there's no BS. Look, we become this big extended family. Isn't it interesting? And I know you've experienced this in your life too. But when you're young, there's somebody that you have a fight with, and then you become best friends. Then there's somebody oh, else. I, I'm one of my closest friends in college. He, we we sat at the same lab uh, table, and he didn't want me sitting there, and I didn't want him sitting there, and we had words, and then. Next thing you know, we were hanging out all the time. It's it's funny that that uh, adversity like that, physical adversity, uh, it builds bonds that are hard to explain to people who don't understand it. I I, I joke around. I actually did the uh, IBJJF, which is a big uh, big BJJ organization. They're considered these two big BJJ organizations, but they're they're considered uh, like 
the granddaddy. Okay. And I did their nationals last year. I, I, I had no gear. I won my division. And then I went with a, a really good guy in the finals of the open division. And it was kind of funny. I ended up, uh, I went for what's called an Imanari role, but as I went for it, my, my knee just popped out. Okay. And it was so funny because first, first I thought the match was over. Okay, but the, the medic guy comes out, looks at my leg, and I tell he goes, what should I do? I said, just grab my foot and yank on it. So he grabs my, first he says, I can't do that. Then one of my students yells off, don't worry, it happens all the time. He grabs my foot and yanks on it, my knee pops in. The ref looks at me and says, do you want to continue? I kind of look at him, I go, yeah. Yeah, that's okay, why I had you do that. <laughs> my, my opponent, and he's, he's a great guy, my opponent looks at me and says, nah, I really don't want to. And I look at him and I go, why? He goes, dude, you just hurt yourself. I don't want to be involved in that. I go, oh, you win. Okay, you know, hey, that's that's yeah. sportsmanship. But that, that, sport. that's real sport. That's real sportsmanship. That's what's missing so, today in but, a lot of sports. But you know what's so cool about it? We spent the rest of the day sitting around BSing. Okay, and, and it's kind of funny. There was a tournament the next month in California. You know, I told him my story about, like, you know, beating health issues, this, that. The other thing, he invites me out to stay at his house for the tournament. Okay, you know, we, we, we met, didn't know each other. We tried to rip each other's limbs off. Then he invites me to his house because he wants my fa- his I family know. to meet. It's a, the it's last a- tournament I did, I had the, the distinct privilege. He, he's a black belt. He'd been a college wrestler. But he'd been off of uh, competition for a while because of Parkinson's. Because of Parkinson's? Okay. Parkinson's, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was getting better and he wanted to start competing again. And he came all the way out from Kansas to compete. And I was actually not going to do the show because I'd hurt my knee. But everybody else in the division had pulled out. And we'd been comp- communicating online because he had told me he, he would like to compete with me. So he, I, I'm at a different event coaching. And he texted me and said, ah, they all pulled out. I said, listen, I think I got one one match in me. I'll be over in a little while. Okay, so I go over. I compete with him. And it's so funny. I'm limping onto the mat. But once I started grappling, I felt great. I won, the, uh, I won my division and I won the absolute division. Wow. But it was kind of funny. It was a distinct honor because, number one, he was coming back from adversity like I was. And it was such an honor to be involved in that. Right. Okay. But also, I got to – it was so cool. I got to meet his kids. I got to meet his wife. And I got to meet his parents. We're all sitting around talking before and afterwards. And, and that's one of the things about, like, you know, when you're a kid, sometimes you're an idiot. And you want to stomp a mud hole in some guy's head. And you're, you're acting all macho and tough. Okay? But, like, dude, the moment is so pure. Savor it. Okay, that guy just, you win, you lose. That guy just bought the best you have in you out. You just shared the limit. You know, without him, like I always tell people, right. people ask me, schools without the school down the road i've got nobody for my guys to compete against right. i want to see them do well because i want to see my guys compete right and you want to see them compete against good quality fighters exactly right so in other words like drysdale is a great jujitsu guy out here and like you know people want to say you know this bad, bad, bad. but it's kind of like no i love that drysdale is great and he's got great students because it gives my guys great guys to compete against right right okay i want i want drysdale to make a million dollars Right. I want his schools to blow up. I want the other guy, this guy Cascal, I want his schools to blow up. Right. I, want, I want everybody's schools to blow up and do great, okay, because it makes the whole community better. If we're going to tournaments with 5,000 people, you know, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Several people, I'm just going to put these back up there really quick. Um, so the first guy, uh, I gotta, we, we got a couple segments here I want to go back to. So uh, let's see here. David Ren Jenkins says, Phil kicks ass. And then he he's also says, and then he also says, then a pound of nuts. I guess he's talking about your your um, your yeah. uh, cashews. 
Phil is a great man. Great segment. That's from Z- uh, Zeke Haglin. And then he David has, Phil is a gift from God. He has blessed and helped so many people, but I'm glad he's my friend and not my enemy. He says, <laughs> if you know me, you know, I have a light switch. Yeah. Like I, I'm the nicest guy in the world, but when I get angry, like I'm a psychopath. Yeah. Well, you gotta be, you've been trained that way. That's it. Yeah. Uh, now, now I got to ask you the question that's on everybody's mind. And that is when did you become vegan and why? Okay, it's a long story, and it's not your typical story. My grandfather was an acupuncturist, martial artist, and vegan. He was actually also Taoist, which which is not odd for somebody that was born Catholic. Okay, so so what happened is, because I I lived with him so much, I grew up vegan. Okay, and he knew knew about nutrition, he knew about herbology and everything, so I, I grew up healthy but skinny. Okay, you know, I, I'm 6'1", I was 147 at 19. Right. At 15 when I fought, I, I from 15 to 19, I was 147. I was skinny, but in great shape. Right. Okay, but the idea the idea was, it's kind of like, you know, I, I grew up vegan, you know, it was it, 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 it was the way my palate developed. Mm-hmm. In other words, to this day, I, like, I never liked ice cream. Interesting. I don't like sugars. In other words, like candy bars... I don't eat them. Right. I've never been in McDonald's. I've never been in Burger King. Right. Like I joke with people, I've never had fast food. And then for about four or five years, I mixed other things into my diet. Like I, I liked shrimp. Mm-hmm. I liked scallops. Uh, I liked lobster. I liked uh, every once in a while I would have a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would eat meat every once in a while. And when I was over in Southeast Asia, for some reason, I developed a taste for bugs. For what? Bugs. Oh, which kind? Like the big, the big, uh, uh, grubs, scorpions. Yeah. I used, I used to love roasted scorpions. Interesting. Yeah. So I developed some weird tastes for different types of meat and I always felt better when I wasn't eating meat. It was hard for me to digest. So at around 2021, 20, I went back to being vegan, but now I, I, I was doing a lot of research on my own and I knew I had to, I had to use better protein supplements because I was trying to get bigger. Right. Okay. So I, I qualified those days with my with being semi vegan. In other words, because I was using whey protein. Right. Okay. So you, so you were like a, la- a lacto vegetarian at that point in your life. Yes. Yes. Okay. And, and and I did that for years, but honestly, now I realize in hindsight it, it was a mistake. And like I said, I'm old school and very stubborn. But if science can prove something to me or personal experience, like when I first weight cut through reverse osmosis, I read the science. But I had to try it for myself. So right. I went out in the world and cut 20 pounds. Right. I'm my own guinea pig all the time. Right. So what happened is for years, I ate a fruit-based diet. And for the sake of argument, I, I would never have anything before lunchtime. And so, I would so, you're al- so you're almost intermittent fasting at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. But I would have a protein drink and four cans of dull pineapple hmm. for lunch. I like pineapple. Okay, then at around five o'clock, I would have a protein drink and like maybe maybe a couple bananas. Mm-hmm. Then for dinner, I would like have a protein drink and maybe ten pounds of grapes, mm-hmm. two watermelons, something like that. Wow. Okay, and I, I ate those three meals a day, and for years I would I was like that long lean build. Right. And then and then when I got sick, there was some pancreas damage involved. My body doesn't secrete as much insulin as it should. So the doctor told me, and at this point, like, you know, when I was sick, I'd gotten all the way down to 158 pounds. 
I moved out to Vegas. I wasn't training for about three years. The medications they had me on had me up around 185, 190, but I was kind of like a water balloon because mm-hmm. I was holding so much water from the medications. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and it was kind of funny because my son wanted to fight again. I started looking for a school to train at. I, I contacted a guy. I was having issues because nobody wanted to let me be in charge of my son's training and he's not going to be your guinea pig. He's my son. Right. Okay. So what happened is I found a school. I went by for a class. I rolled with the owner the first night. And like he said to me, you can come by and train for free. But if you come by, you have to teach. <laughs> That's great. Like, don't be embarrassed teaching grappling in front of me. Right. Okay. So basically, I started teaching there and I fell in love with it again. I thought I was done. But what happened is I had to change my diet. So what I switched to, and, and up until then, I had always viewed in that very typical context, fat is around my midsection. So fat in foods is the enemy. So I was almost on a zero fat diet except for uh, essential fatty acid supplements. Interesting. Okay. Which honestly now in hindsight was a mistake that handcuffed my uh, physical, my physical development. Okay. So what happened is with the pancreas damage, I had to cut way back on carbohydrates. Right. Okay. And at and, first, and, and I just went- for the record, just for the record, um, people who go, on fruitarian type diets usually end up with some sort of pancreatic damage. Now I'm not saying that your penchant to eat just fruit. Mine was for something else. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know that. I know that. But I mean, uh, but I'm just saying like people who go fruitarian, they usually end up with pancreas problems. Just, just right. Mine, mine was actually based on an infection that turned malignant. Interesting. But it was one of those things where, uh, when it came down to it, when I came back, I, I tried uh, a ketogenic diet, which is what they recommend. Right. I didn't like it mm-hmm. because for me to eat enough protein and stay just protein and fat, I don't like when I get to ketosis. Right. Okay. Okay. I don't like the way I feel. So I modified the diet I originally went on. And, and what I do is for two days – uh, for the sake of argument, I had my first meal. Now I'm fully intermittent fasting. Okay. Okay. I have my first meal at like three in the afternoon. Okay. I have what's now a vegan protein shake with hemp, rice, and pea protein mm. and essential amino acids mixed in to make sure I had the full spectrum. Yeah, I was just going to say, and even with the pea protein, but yeah, you're, you're getting all the amino acids that you need now. Right. Right. Okay. I, I have a protein drink and then I have six ounces of walnuts. Then at around five or so, I have a protein drink and six ounces of walnuts. Okay. Then for dinner, depending on whether I'm trying to gain weight or lose weight, I'll have a protein drink in either two or three pounds of raw cashews. How many many grams of protein are you getting? What's your total? I don't even pay attention to it. Really? But an enormous amount. Probably too much. Right. Okay. Okay, uh, my kidneys have been checked. My 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 blood levels. My my doctor says I'm the healthiest guy he has. No, no, and I, I I'm not even getting at that. What I'm saying, no, no, I'm I'm a high protein guy, so I I don't buy that whole protein equals kidney damage. But I was yeah. just curious if you're getting like 200 grams of protein a day or more. Way more. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. You got you got to figure two pounds of nuts is 32 32 ounces. Right. Nine 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 grams of protein per per ounce. Right, that's right. Right there, that's almost yeah, that's almost three hundred twenty grams. That's amazing. Right, plus my protein shakes. Do you get your cashews at Trader Joe's? What was that? Do you buy your cashews at Trader Joe's? No, I actually go to uh, Sprouts because every couple of weeks they put oh, them yeah. on sale for five ninety nine a pound. 
Because I, I find that Trader Joe's has the best, most freshest nuts that I've found so far. That's I buy. I go yeah, to cashews. Joe's. I eat a ton of cashews too. I love them raw cashews, and I get right. them at Trader but Joe's. But I was just good in Whole Foods is pretty good. Yeah. But uh, what, what what happens is on my third day, I switch my dinner to fruit. Oh, okay. Like for the sake of argument, like uh, I'll have ten pounds of grapes because that stops me from going into ketosis. Gotcha. Okay, and I just feel better that way. I have lots of energy. I move better. I'm healthier. And one of the amazing things, and the doctors think it has to be from my 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 lifelong diet. I with all my injuries now, from from broken neck to injury damage with my both my shoulders, both my knees, my hips, everything. I have no arthritis. Yeah, that's amazing. None. Okay. They actually did, you know, they did a few uh, MRIs and x-rays and they found nothing. Like my shoulder needs to be replaced. Right. Okay. But there's no arthritis in there. Right. It doesn't hurt. Right. And, And it's kind of, one of the things that drives me about veganism is, drives me crazy, is veganism is not just not eating meat. Yes. I know, because okay, if people think they think if oh I'll just eat uh, popcorn and, and and hot pockets all day long, I'm a vegan. No, you're still eating crap that, food. Well, that's what that that's what people don't seem to understand. In other words, there's a science be- between behind eating. Like people always, oh, oh, you're the biggest, strongest vegan I ever met. Okay, now I know other vegans that are in great shape, great athletes, whatever. Okay, but a lot of it is these guys. These guys take it to a scientific level. Okay, and the idea is. Cutting out meat and eating some beans is not going to do it. Right. Okay. Right. You know, and one of, the, one of the things that drives me crazy is when I hear kid parents are raising kids on a vegan diet without without any research whatsoever. They're they're basically stunting their kids' growth. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's amazing. And I get into arguments on the Internet all the time because somebody somebody will start like going on about, you know, you should go vegan because it kills animals. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, what about your health? OK, and then it turns out when you're going back and forth with them, they know nothing about nutrition. Right. OK, they, they think eating rice is vegan. In other words, I cut out meat like I, I had a friend that was getting ready for a fight, decided to go vegan. OK, he was eating fruits and vegetables. Okay, and he's dying in training. And I go, what are you doing for protein? Uh, uh, you know, in other words, and like I was telling you, even think about it. When you're getting ready for a fight, is not the best change time to completely change your diet. That's it's kind of like guys ask me what they should eat when they're rehydrating after the weight cut. What is your stomach comfortable with? Right. You know, like if you eat bean burritos every day, then eat a bean burrito. Right. Okay, because that's what your body's comfortable with. It's not the time to change it. Good point. Really good point. You know, it, it, it's kind of like it, when you're under high stress, it's not the time to give up coffee. And see, you're, you're also different as a vegan because most vegans want to convert everybody to veganism. In fact, you're quite the opposite. You tell people don't become vegan because it's expensive and it's a lot of work to do it right. Yes. You know, because I don't want to see people willy-nilly affecting their health. It's one of the things that drives me crazy about PEDs. Guy sticks a needle in his ass. It was made in somebody's bathtub. Yeah. He's got no idea what it really is. And right. he's got no idea of the effects on his body. Like I, my, one, of the, one of the funny incidents from back in his school that I had is I had a kid get ready for a fight. Suddenly he comes in, Phil, can I talk to you? 
Okay, so we go to my office, I cl- close the door because I can tell it's one of these private conversations. And he goes, I, I, I don't know how to bring this up. And I go, the easiest way is always just to spit it out. And he looks at me and he goes, oh, okay, uh, since I've been picking up training for this fight, I, I'm having difficulties. Uh, difficulties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm with my girlfriend and I look at him and I go, you can't get it up? And he goes, yeah, I'm having difficulties. Yeah, go. goes, I have to take my anger. Okay. And I look at him. That kid's like 24. Okay. So I look at him and I go, okay, uh, what are you taking? Now, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I, maybe he started to take a little bit of test and too much deck. Yeah, right. Like that. Okay. Yeah, we've all done that. So right. that's, that's my natural assumption. So I'm, now I'm going to fly and find out. Because, hey, listen, I don't make value judgments. You want to take it, take it. I don't right. care. Okay, I just want you to do it right. Okay, so what happens is he goes, no, 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 no nothing like that. Uh, about the only thing I'm taking is aspirin, caffeine, and ephedrine stack. Oh, man, the, old, the old fat burner. I look at him. And I go, dude, dude, do you know what the ACE stack is? Uh, uh, a thermogenic aid. Yeah. It'll burn off the fat. I go, <laughs> it's a vasoconstrictor. Okay, so now, now you're burning off all this fat, but you're in bed with your girlfriend. Okay, you go, man, she's hot. But your equipment's not getting the message because <laughs> all the blood vessels are closed from the ACE stack. You're right. taking it twice a day, right? right? He goes, yeah. Okay, then you're saying to yourself, okay, about an hour from now, I'm going to get into my girl, better with my girlfriend, so I got to take this blue pill. What does the blue pill do? Uh, gives you a heart on? No, no, it's a vasodilator. It opens up the blood vessels to your penis, so the blood can charge in when your brain says, oh, she's hot. Right. Your dick goes, right. okay, so it, it's kind of like, I look at him and I say, why not stop taking the vasoconstrictor? The day. So you can stop yeah. taking the vasodilator, right. so you got no problems. Yeah, all you got to do is more cardio. Right. Oh wow! And that's what drives me crazy. How does somebody stick a supplement even in their body? Like all these supplements I see, uh, uh, you know, there's some supplements that work, and some that are complete garbage. And these people, these people are taking stuff because some big guy at the gym told them it works. Well, and plus they all, they everybody wants a shortcut. Everybody wants. Yes. They all want a shortcut. They all want to get. Yeah. They won't want to look like they did the work, but they don't want to do the work. Well, it's my favorite thing about teaching for free. Oh, my God. I can't believe I've always wanted to do this. I want to be a fighter. Blah, 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 blah. This is the best thing ever. First class. We never see him again. Yeah, right. Right. See him a couple of years later at the store. Find out, you know, I, and I'm always thinking, oh, maybe he joined another school. I wasn't a good fit. No, he's not training. Yeah. He had no intention of being a fighter. He thought he did. Then he got punched in the face. Okay. <laughs> Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Dude, and, and, and it's so true. And yeah. I can see it instantly. I got guys that get punched in the face and they get a little grin. I know he's a keeper. I get guys that they walk in and they tell me, I could throw these bad boys. Yeah. Then I see him get hit. And I know they're never coming back. Yeah, right. right. Because listen, between you and I, nine tenths of training is getting beat up. Yeah, getting used to it. Knowing that yeah, every time you, you get every time you get beat up and you don't die, you you learn a little bit more. You know what I mean? You learn. Like a I'm a big believer on what almost kills me. Yeah, makes me stronger. Yeah, yeah. And that's true in fights too. When you're a young yeah. kid, you've been in your and you're in your first fight, and you walk away from it, and you go, "Wow, I didn't die." Because right, yeah. right, when you're never in a fight and then, uh, you think, oh, I'm, maybe he'll kill me. Maybe I'll die. Then you find that you don't die. And then you're like, oh, I can do this. I'm going to do this again. My favorite is the guy who comes by and tells me I'm like a little bit afraid of getting hit. Eight months later, he's in the ring. Yeah. 
Okay, but why why him and not the guy who thinks he's a badass? Because he's honest with himself. Yeah. I'm afraid of him. And he's he's in in the ring, and the first time he gets hit, he's like this. Ugh. Right. I'm fine. Right. I just want to go back. And then they get into it. Right. And it's always the guy who tells you I'm a badass never is. Yeah. The guy who says, ah, I'm a little afraid of this, turns out to have the heart of a lion. Phil, when is your fight? So you have a fight coming up at the end of June? Yeah, I have a grappling match in uh, doing the LA Open with the NABJJF in, on June uh, 22nd and 23rd. Okay. And then the tw- and the next weekend I'm doing the IBB IBJJF Nationals. I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm doing two tournaments at the end of June, two in July, and three in August. That's awesome. And so can people uh, learn about that at your website too? Do you do you post that? Uh, actually, on my Facebook page, if they if they look me up, uh, Phil Dunlap, D-U-N-L-A-P, right. D-U-N-L-A-P. Yeah, they'll, they'll recognize it because it's a picture of uh, Chal Sonnen interviewing me. Right. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where I'm always posting. I'm always posting. I usually, I usually stick to like Vegas, Phoenix, uh, L.A., right. or Portland because a big show in Portland. Right, because those are close to where you live. I hope that exactly. I, I hope that we can hang out next time I'm in Vegas. We'll have some fun, you and I. Oh, dude, I'd love to. I'd love to get together. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I'm not getting in the ring with you. I just want to hang out. Well, I just well. want to. I want to eat cashews with you. I love cashews. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I. Alisa got mad at me the other day. She says, "Where are those cashews?" I says, "I ate them." She goes, "We just bought them yesterday." I love cashews, and I can sit there and eat them handful and handful. That I don't know. You know, I never knew. I never looked at how heavy that bag is. But I eat that whole bag in a day or two. I got to see how many pounds that is. I want to see now. Dude, I, I buy them in bulk because I get like 20 pounds at a time. Yeah. I love cashews. Phil, thanks yeah. for being here today, brother. Thanks for having me. I was really looking forward to this because I love your show. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll do this again. And if you want to ask Phil questions, send them to onair at superhumanradio.net, and I'll get them to him. We'll have him back on the show to answer them. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Okay, great. Thanks again for having me. Take care. And we will see you tomorrow with the Superhuman Radio. Actually, I think we're doing a show tomorrow uh, about eyes, ironically, of all things. See you then. (laughs)